0: So this this month we're gonna do we're gonna look at our theme is Let's Go. That's the name for our missions going out. So in the beginning of next month, we're sending a missions team to Sri Lanka, we're sending a team to Botswana, we're sending a team to, to Mozambique. And we we trust in God just gonna create an environment and an environment in George where we just send people to all over the world. It doesn't have to be short-term missions. If you feel to Kazakhstan, then we need to pray for you, and we need to send you, and we need to support you, because the world needs more Christians. And one of the callings that, that's on George, the redemptive calling that's on George, is just to send, to resource people, and to send people. So, there's a lot in the Bible about being sent. There's a lot in the Bible about reaching out to your neighbor. Have you ever heard of the term evangelism? Who of you know what evangelism means? okay hope, Hopefully. They say everybody loves evangelism, especially when somebody else does it. So you love it that your friend gets saved through a pastor or somebody else, or you love it that that you love that story of that atheist that turned to Jesus, but you're not necessarily gonna put yourself in that place where you're gonna share the gospel, your testimony with somebody. So this month is all about challenging you guys to share your faith. And to know that God is actually for you, that He is, hey, Thomas, no, yeah, share it, go for it, Thomas. He's so amped about you sharing your faith, and He is backing you all the way. And He's actually, He's already prepared parts for you, for, for you to, to, to reach. Are you, all of you, just raise your hand again. This is the answer, just raise your hand again. Okay, no, not everybody's raising their hand. Okay, just, this is the answer. This is the memo, okay? Okay, you can lower your hands again. Okay, who of you are called to share their faith? Yes, you have the answer. You're such a clever bunch. It's amazing. So I want you to, to open up in, in Acts, Acts 1 verse 8. And we're going, to, we're going to start here, and then we're going to move to some other scriptures also. So Acts 1 verse 8, it says, so Jesus, before He, he ascended into heaven, he, for 40 days He's still around, and then He tells them to wait for something. To wait for the, for the Holy Spirit. And what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Just to have a glorious worship time. Just to have the presence of God on you, just to fall on the floor, just to laugh your head off. All of that is amazing. I've I've experienced it. It's a, it's amazing. But here's the, the main purpose: it is for power, and that word for that power, that word for power is dynamus. So God is wanting to give you some dynamite in order to destroy the works of the devil and other people. So it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so you have to wait you can't just go you have to wait so what we did this this um, evening while Hermione was worshiping we were just waiting on God God do you want to give us something so that we will have the resources to go through the Red Sea that's what we why we were just waiting on God and some of you have experienced some breakthrough and there's more breakthrough coming when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, say witnesses. In Jerusalem. That means George. In all of Judea. That's, sweating. That means that means just a region in Samaria. In other words, cross cultury because Samaria at that stage was was a different culture for them. It they weren't supposed to go and to the ends of the earth. And, and it's always, this whole scripture is about and. It is your friend, and it's your mother, and it's your neighbor, and it's your friend from a different race, and it's the friend from a different town, and it's your friend from another nation. It's all of this together. It's not only, hey, you're only called to... To George, sometimes people say, "How do? Why do you spend so much money to go to a different nation? What about, what about just the people of, just sleeping next to the street? What about them?" No, it's all of that. It's all of that, and often when we go, we actually realize what we have, and we become so much more better witnesses in in our area. That's why short-term missions. I love this, and. If you can get the opportunity in the next year or so to go on a short-term mission, please do. Because it actually just allows you to see who Jesus is in you. So we receive power as Christians to be witnesses. And if we now go back to what Jesus said, he said the biggest commandment is to love God. And the the commandment that's that's equal to that is love God thy neighbor so when you love somebody when you love your neighbor what does that what does that mean what is your desire for that person i would say if i say that thomas is my neighbor and that i love thomas then i would love for thomas to fulfill his full potential would you agree to that so i have four kids i love praying to god about them I love praying with them, and I love seeing how they develop. And I know the only way that they will reach their full potential is if one day they make the decision to choose for Jesus. And I know my oldest daughter has already done that. The other day, I think she was four years old, I asked, hey, have you ever given your heart to Jesus? And she said, yes. Or I asked her, let's pray that you give your heart to Jesus because she said, but Papa, I've already done that led me in a prayer while I was watching um you guys know um I'm like praise Jesus for um so if you love somebody you will have this biggest you will have a big desire in you, you have an urgency in you for that person to connect with Jesus because that's the only way that he will reach his full potential it's the only way, you can't say you love somebody but you don't want them to meet Jesus It doesn't make sense. It's a paradox. So, all of us are called to this. All of us are called to love. And many of you already in this room. You are parents, soon to be even. And you're going to love your kids. And I think a big mistake that we've made in previous years is we've allowed... The, the schools and even the church, they must lead our children to Christ. But we did, didn't take the ownership of actually taking that mandate on ourselves to lead our kids to to Christ. And I would love for you, and I would obviously want you to believe that your love for the kid will actually lead you to where you actually lead that kid, your son, your daughter, to to Jesus. Because love outside of Jesus doesn't make sense you can ask the world it doesn't it doesn't make sense okay so let's look at a Karina if you can just throw up that next the grid so the Bible says love your neighbor so this is where we start love your neighbor okay so who of you are living in a house or a flat and you can name all the people living around you you know their names who of you can Name those people. You're in a flat okay. Okay, Yodia's living in a in a in a hostel, she says she knows everyone. Okay? Okay, so we have we have a problem here. In our day and age we don't really mingle with our neighbors. Okay? Me me including including me. So but Who, where do we, so what Jesus was referring to, he was saying, hey, the people that's with you, the people that's close to you all the time, those people you must love. Everybody that's close to you must love. So in those days, if you you did business, you would do business from your home. Everything will be from the home. The way the family would would live together, they will eat together, and they will do business together. So you didn't necessarily go to another place to go and work 9 to 5 and then, and then come back. So everything revolved around the house, the home. So these days, our neighbor is probably where we spend most of our time. If you're in school, then your neighbor is the person sitting next to you in the class or the people in your class. If you have a business... It's your employees or your colleagues or the people that work for you. All though that is our neighbors. So God is calling us. He's saying, hey, if you want to follow me, you need to love God and you love my neighbor. So here's a challenge for all of us. That if we are called to love our neighbors, in other words, the people that we spend most, most of our time with, we are called to actually witness to them. We are called to actually witness to them. We have received a certain power, what we would call anointing, to actually do that. You are in your school not only to study, but to engage with people and to change that school. You're not only at varsity, to study. You are there to meet with people. I think the biggest benefit that I got from varsity was the people that I met. And if I think back, the only regret that I have of school and varsity is that I didn't understand the power that Jesus has given me and the way that I should have loved the people around me because it was I was so sh- selfish. So, God has given us the power, He has anointed us, He says, love thy neighbor. Now, let's look at another idea in Scripture. It's the idea that when you get saved, God's also telling you that your household will receive salvation, or there's an anointing, or there's an ability or a potential for your household. In other words the place of influence to get saved. Joshua 24 verse 15, it says, so Joshua, everybody's complaining. Israelite saying, hey, I'd rather serve this God. I serve this God. And Joshua, he stands up. He's a leader. He says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So even from, from this scripture, we get this idea that you you carry authority not only for yourself, but also for the people that's in your household. Especially if we speak to men tonight, this is, you carry the authority to tell the devil, back off, this is my household. Luke 19 verse 9, Jesus goes into the house of Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, he is a tax collector, he has a lot of friends, he does a lot of business, Corrupt business, corruption happening in his house. And Jesus arrives in the house. It's not only his family. And he says the following. Today, salvation has come to this house. And in Acts 11 verse 14, it's Cornelius. And he got a message from, from an angel saying, Go to Peter and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your, all your household." Okay, so when you got saved, it was not only for you, it was for your whole household. Most of you are not parents yet in this room, some of you are, but all of you have a household because the household, the idea of household is your sphere of influence. In other words, your neighbors, the people that you do life with, all of that is included in your household. So now on a Sunday, I let everybody stand up. You raise your hand. You say, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus, my Lord and Savior. You walk forward. The moment you commit your life to Jesus, you decide you're going to surrender everything to Jesus. You know what happens? Jesus is saying, hey, you know what, Johan? You're not only getting saved, but I want to save your whole household. I want to save your friends. I want to save your family. I want to save your business. I want to save everyone and I'm going to donate, I'm going to deposit the Spirit of God in you, and there's an anointing for you to do that. And you even see that in the in the Bible that one guy gets saved, his household, household gets saved, and they get baptized, just like, just like that. But I, I think we're underselling, we're underselling the gospel, saying that, hey, so now you get saved, and now you're going to, to struggle your whole life, and maybe if you have one convert, then it's going to be amazing. Now, God is a God of your influence also. All of you carry influence. You carry it through relationship. So every relationship that you have, you have influence in that person. So okay to make it very practical Thomas Konstantines okay so thomas now just for this for this uh, illustration he doesn't he doesn't know jesus so i'm all more by the way I, i'm i'm getting saved at Shofar. yeah and god turns my world around The holy spirit comes on me and now i read one uh, Acts 1, eight and I said, Wow! Well, I've received power to be a witness. So the moment I walk into the room, the same room that Thomas, whose spirit is the strongest? Thomas doesn't know Jesus. The light. Who, who has the most influence? Jesus. Jesus in me. And you know what? Thomas, he doesn't even necessarily know this, but he craves what I have. He craves it with all everything in his heart he craves it so now i i come to you and say hey thomas something, something happened at church on sunday i need to tell you my life changed and this is what happened jesus came in he took my sin away and i can tell you my life changed i feel the peace of god and i as i as i share i promise you you spirit because that's true that's a spirit spiritual reality his spirit is jumping up and down, saying, "I want this, Thomas. Don't be so full of pride. I want this. I want this." Because he's you remember he's created in the image of God, so there's a there's there's the image of God is still there. He doesn't he's not necessarily filled with holy spirit, there's, or maybe if it's if his slid, slid in the holy spirits there's still somewhere, and he's craving this. So me witnessing is actually you just. Teaching the idea that's already in his in his life, the idea to get saved. So the first point that I want want you to understand, and you need to take and absorb this, you need to digest this, make it your make it your own. Is that if you have Jesus, you have an anointing. To get the people around you saved. And by saved, I mean into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Not only praying a sinner's prayer so that somebody can go to heaven. No, to get the fullness of who God is. Expose them to that that fullness. So, we were given two assignments on earth. Who of you know what the assignment that we were given in Genesis? Genesis 2 verse 14. Who of you know? Adam and Eve, they were told to? Okay, be fruitful and multiply. That's yeah, that's that's also part of the assignment, but that's not the one I'm referring to. To to work. They were they were supposed to work the land. And here I'm speaking to people that that are already in professional jobs and school kids. You are supposed to work. That is who you are, that you were created for that. So God's saying, hey, I want to create these people, and I'm going to give this assignment to them to work. That is part of our identity, is to, is to work. Thessalonians, Paul says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So some of you students, if you don't wash the dishes, you shouldn't eat. So it's a, it's a good thing. And then the second assignment that we were given was the assignment to to make disciples. And in Jesus, those two get married. So we are called to work, because you know what? Work actually creates influence. There's people in this room, you have brilliant ideas. You have products that God has downloaded into your mind, but you've maybe not developed it yet, or you maybe have not received it from God but there's potential there, and you need to develop the, that so that you have people under you so that you can disciple them, so that, you have, so that you have influence. And a lot of people, they get that influence, but they never get the discipling part. Wow, it's money, it's cars, it's holiday homes. Wow, let's leave that discipleship thing. Let's just work, and it's fun, and it's lots of stuff that I can buy. No, God says we need to marry those, marry those two. Iyoria's, for instance, she's working at the school now as a, as a youth coach. Would you say working at the school increased your influence? Iyoria's household is at High School. That's a that's a household. She is a pastor, and her church is bigger than mine. It's it is true. You have a lot more influence than I have. I only, I have, I have you. And I, I'm going to love you and I'm going to challenge you to be witnesses and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and I'm going to push you forward as, as God leads. But that's how far I can go. I can go into the places that you're going to, that you're going to go. Okay, so we have two assignments, work, discipleship, and we need to, Marry those two and work obviously if you're if you're a student it refers to your schoolwork also or to studies adversity. So God has given you this this intellect and you can use it but in the end you need to disciple people. You need to bring people closer closer to Jesus. Okay, so now we're gonna just Bring, summarize everything. Bring everything back back together. So the first thing is, you are anointed. If you know Jesus, you are anointed. And there, there's an announcement every time you walk into your area of influence, whether it's school, whether it's a family, whether it's a business, there's an announcement in heaven. Today, salvation has come to Atonekwaa. Today salvation has come to the George Municipality. Today, today salvation has come has come to Nmu. Lit, that's the announcement in the Spirit, and and I can tell you the demons also agree. But you don't know this because you've never stepped out in faith and actually say, if this is true, then I'm going to take this. If you walk into your family, you can say. Today's salvation has come to my family. You don't necessarily announce it like that when you walk into the house. We serve and we are humble. You understand that? But that is what's happening in the spirit. And the and the second thing is if you are a if you are a good steward of the generic assignments that God has given us to work and to be faithful and to do what God has given us, what's, what's at hand, and to disciple people through through that, through everything, everything you do. If you study so- with someone, it's a discipleship opportunity. If you have a business, it's a discipleship opportunity. If you are babysitting, it's a discipleship opportunity. If you are doing life-saving, it's a discipleship opportunity. And if you are good stewards of that, God will reward and multiply your influence. And eventually, you are there will be more and more people at it and there will be more influence and more people will get to know Jesus because your church is growing. I only have you for a Sunday and maybe for a Wednesday or a Tuesday when we do Bible school. But you have those people in your church probably for the whole week. You're spending time with them. They They are your neighbors. Okay, so... How are we going to go about doing this? First, you you start just just make a list. Ask the Holy Spirit to maybe highlight a few. Make a list of the people in your household. See how big your church is. And you come to me and say, "Hey, Armor, I want to I want to brag. The church, my church is bigger than your, your church. Look at this. Wow. So it means friends." Teachers, like one thing that I felt when I started working with, with youth is that God's going to use the youth to influence the teachers. Because often teachers are stopped. They're not allowed to share their faith, not necessarily in our schools here in George, but in other schools. But the kids, they can share whatever. They can ask the questions. So see, your teachers could be in your, in your church. Your employers, your employees, your clients, your service providers, all of those people are part of your church. And every time you interact with them, there's an announcement in heaven. Salvation has come to you, my auditor. Salvation has come to you, my graphic designer. Salvation has come to you person that, clean, that cleans for you the office whatever it might be so so make a list and then you specifically because we always start with one person in in Luke 10 it speaks that it tells a story of Jesus sending out the 72 and then they have to go out and then they have to look for for a house and then they have to say peace and if there's a man of peace in that house then that peace will come upon that man and they will stay there. So God's looking for one man in a household to start the whole process of discipleship and salvation. One one man or one lady. And if you're going to read, read throughout the Bible, that's what he did. Daniel, he was in Babylon. He was that one man of peace. And God used him to turn around the whole of Babylon. The king got saved because he understood that I'm the pastor of this church. He might be the king, but I'm the pastor of this church. And, house, and this household will be saved. So you make a list and you pray, God, who, is, who, who are the people that I need to focus on? So maybe God shows you three, three names. How do you now know where to, where to start? You go to that you go to that person and you start just sharing your story. You say, "Hey, this is this is my story. You know me, know me for a while, but this is who I am. I I follow Jesus. That's why I make the decisions that I make." You've mentioned something about how peaceful I look, or whatever it might be that attracted this person to you, and you share that story with that person. If that person asks questions, you know he's hungry. All of them are hungry, but if he starts asking you questions. You know that this person is hungry. And then you just start praying and, hey, God, no. Oh, God, how can I do this? Maybe you can invite him to a small group. Maybe he's from a different town. You send him to someone. You get people that's connected with him. But you make a plan. Be like the mothers that I know. So I was in Salamos, I was a student pastor then you get these phone calls from this mother. Hey, I'm, well, I'm not going to speak to my son. But you know what? Don't you know somebody in that residence that can speak to my son? I know he's ready. He's ready. The harvest is ripe and he's ready. All that he know, all that he needs is somebody from his same age to invite him to church. Do you know what I do? I'm like, I love this mother's faith. And this mother's faith, she has faith for a household so I go to this guy and I say hey or I go to somebody that knows him and say hey just invite this person to church and because somebody his age he's like well yeah, why not and so many times on a Sunday night when the altar, altar call is this guy walks forward and he gives his life to the Lord and his mother phones me the next week so thank you I knew God's so amazing. Why? Why does she do that? Because she loves. Love is the most strategic thing in the world. So you get those names and you just start sharing your story. You don't have to start hitting them over the head with your Bible. The other day I was speaking to some... Sometimes it works though. I was speaking to a friend and I asked him, How did you get saved? he said, no, he was working for this company and a guy passed him in the corridor and said, hey, are you going to heaven? And he said, it just, it bothered him for the whole weekend that the next week he made an appointment and said, hey, no, I don't, I don't know if I'm going. What, what keeps us from having that kind of boldness? And obviously it was with love and it was what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. Wanted to, and sometimes you would share with somebody and nothing will happen. And you're like, oh, I'm a failure. God's not with him, with me. The announcement never went off. The announcement system, the PA system is not working in heaven that said salvation has come to this household. Oh, it's horrible. I'm a failure. And then you never do it again. But I've had so many of, 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 of those people coming to me. Say, you know what? One day, five years ago, that person shared with me about Jesus. And I just couldn't get rid of the thought that Jesus loves me. And that person that shared it, they're in a horrible state of depression because God doesn't use them. But what they don't know is four years down the line, that person gave the heart to the Lord and the seed was sown there. Apparently, according to research, I don't know how they did this. But somebody needs to hear about the Lord seven times before they get to salvation. So maybe you're third, maybe you're fourth, maybe you're sixth. If, you, if God's with you, then you're seven. Maybe you can be one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Why not? Okay, let's stand.